small batch ice cream, small batch gelato and Italian ice. A lot of people, at least what I've, myself and the rest of our team here, we get into conversations of people that want to make their own flavors. They want to make their own concoctions. Welcome to The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods, the nation's first podcast devoted to the business and lifestyle of the hospitality industry. Now, here's your host, Wilco Foods CEO, Stephen Toberoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Profitable Table Fed by Wilco Foods. I am your host, Stephen Toberoff, and today's episode is going to be a little different, but I'm very excited. In an earlier interview, I interviewed Melanie Landano of Mel's Butcher Box, and she said to me, Stephen, there's this... Uh, they're these great people that you need to interview, and 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 there might be a third joining us from what I hear, which would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so Melanie was like, you know, you've got to interview these people. And I said, oh, yeah, what do they do? And she told me, and there was a connection with, with my family history. So without further ado, I want to introduce my guests, which are Joe Agliato and Elise DeCenzo. They are the owners of Electrofreeze Tri-State. Joe and Annalise, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you for having us, Steve. So what I think would maybe be most helpful is there's a lot of areas where there's a lot of interest where our audience would be, you know, very much interested in what you guys do in your story. Let's just start with the basic, if we could. Tell us a little bit about what Electrofreeze is, and then if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about how each of you got involved and became co-owners of the company. Sure. Okay. So... Electrofreeze is a manufacturer of soft serve ice cream equipment, frozen cocktail machines, batch freezers to make hard ice cream, milkshake machines, and basically equipment for the frozen dessert and the restaurant industry. We've been around a, a very, very long time. Uh, we work with a lot of major brands such as Dairy Queen and Sonic and Carvel and Five Guys. And we've been the original Electrofreeze distributor in the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. And this dates back many, many years ago, back to 1965. Before we go on, where is your facility located, guys? We're located in Comac, New York on Long Island. Cool. And, you know, obviously everybody's heard of Dairy Queen and Five Guys, but even if it's someone who's opening up just an individual restaurant, they would come to you if they say, hey, we want to install a soft serve machine or or any of the machinery that you mentioned that would enable them to serve certain types of ice creams. They would be dealing with you directly and looking to get the equipment and have it uh, installed in their restaurant or hospitality facility, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We work with everybody from, you know, mom and pops to big franchise companies. Joe is, he's done a phenomenal job of working with customers from the ground up. I mean, building stores, designing stores, layouts, stuff like that. There's really nothing that we shy away from when it comes to helping our customers, big or small, with setting up their business or developing their business. They might come to us with an idea and say, you know, I thought about maybe doing this. I thought about maybe doing that. And, and sometimes ideas really grow in our warehouse and in, in our showroom once people realize all the possibilities that they can achieve with, with our equipment. I love that. And I love that approach. You know, just as an aside, I had mentioned to Joe Annalise that my father, many years ago, he owned a few Carvel establishments. I think he was one of the original franchisees. And then he opened his own 
ice cream stores. One was around the corner from where we lived, so that was kind of awesome. But what I, I love the way you mentioned that because the reason I was really excited for this interview, among many reasons, was I think that there's a tremendous we're just at the beginning stages, you know, thank God everything's opening up. And I had mentioned this in my interview with Melanie and other people, but I think we're at the beginning of what's going to be an absolute renaissance and, and just a, an, an exceptional and extraordinary time for the restaurant and the hospitality industry. And I love the approach that you just described, Annalise, where people have a concept and they can reach out to you and you will help really work with them to craft how they can bring their, let's say I'm about to open up a restaurant and I say, you know what, I think based upon the theme or based upon my menu, it might be really cool to have a soft serve ice cream machine or something that's going to enable me to offer that type of product to my customers. They can work with you and you guys will brainstorm and maybe come up with a totally different concept, but one that's in alignment with what their overall vision is. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's spot on. As Annalise had said, we've we've had quite a few customers over the years that come in with these ideas and they think they may know what they want until they get in front of a particular machine and then realize, you know what, maybe this is a better fit for us. Or we thought we wanted to do soft serve, but eh, maybe we're better off doing gelato or hard ice cream. So we do quite a bit of, I guess, consulting work, if you will, but we're really a full service operation, as Annalise said, from menu development to layout to design to recipes Mm. etc. We love working on that. And even after the sale, just to add to what Joey was saying, I mean, we're not just, okay, we sold you the machine and now best of luck. We've been in business for, for 56 years for, for good reason. I mean, we've really cultivated relationships with our customers that have them reaching out to other people who may be interested and in saying, you know, I worked with this company and they helped me grow my business and it might be a good opportunity for you. And then any service issues, we also do service. So our customers feel as though they're getting a full experience. It's not that they have to be outsourced for this or that. And you have a problem, you contact your salesman and and it really becomes like a team to support whatever your business venture is. I love that. We have the same philosophy here. For those of our listeners that are out there, because we have a lot of people who listen who are already in the space and they have established restaurants and that's great. There's a lot of people who aspire to get into the space, into the hospitality industry. And what Joe and Annalise are describing is what you really want to establish, I think, with all of your vendors. It really should be a partnership and it should really be something that can be as collaborative as possible, by which I mean, if you're going to open up a restaurant and you've got some ideas, and it can be about any aspect of what you're doing, it can be the dessert side, the alcohol side, the design, you want to work with vendors that can really collaborate and work with you and enhance what you're doing. And it sounds like you guys are all about that. And we try to be as well. So I think that's great. Now, how did both of you, because you've been in business since 1965, so tell me a little bit, you know, we could start with Joe and then go to Annalise or maybe do it at the same time, whatever makes more sense. How did you guys get involved in the business? That's a good question. We've kind of been evolved or evolved into the business in some way, shape or form over the years. We've been around it since we were little kids. I being the youngest, Annalise being a bit older than me, and then we have an older brother, Mike. But growing up, our dad really ran this company to, to the successful point that it is. And before him was our grandfather, Bernie Rosen, who, who really got us started and we wouldn't be anywhere without him. But as a kid, we always worked. We had trade shows and we had open houses at the office and it was always fun 
for us to serve the customers that came in or hand out slush or frozen drinks. Or at that period of time, we were selling cooking equipment and we still do quite a bit, but handing out fried chicken or pulled pork or ribs and just being around the business, just being as the, you know, the owner's son and daughter, we really got to see a lot of different aspects of the business. And it was really around us 24-7. Our grandfather and our father put everything they had into the company and made themselves available on the nights and on the weekends. And if we're going to a, a hockey game or a, or a baseball game, we got to stop at this Carvel and drop off these parts, or we got to go to this roadside stand and drop off this. So it was kind of always, kind of always ingrained in us from an early age. And then as we got older, you know, went through school, went through college and decided, you know, it's time to, to come home and, and work with dad. Annalise got to do that a little bit before me. And then we kind of joined hands and we're working alongside of him. I can really relate to that as well, because my father, after leaving the ice cream business, he got involved in the wholesale business, starting with poultry and eggs and stuff. And I remember being a kid with him and, and when he just started out with one van and just driving around and seeing him deliver stuff to customers and just interacting on that level. And it's my belief that when you, you're you part of that at such a young age, you really have the culture of the company and you really get the core values of what's important ingrained in you at, at a young age. And it's something that you cannot be taught in business school. You get to really, it's almost like immersive education because I can tell you so many of the ways that I operate and so many of the priorities that I have and, and that we try to instill here are things that I probably learned just by observing when I was seven or eight or nine years old. And, and I think that's a great way to do it. I don't know, would you agree with that, Annalise, that just by observing and seeing and watching something grow and seeing it organically, it creates the foundation for a company's culture and there's perhaps no better way to do that? Yeah, I would, I would wholeheartedly agree with everything you said. I mean, even how you articulated it. I mean, you basically outlined how we were raised. I mean, we were given a very, very solid foundation from our grandfather and then from our father and even our mother. I mean, our, the work ethic in our family, it wasn't really something that came as foreign to us. It was just, this is what you do and this is how you take care of customers and this is how you treat a business and employees. We're, I mean, we're so fortunate. We still have some employees that have been with the company from 40 years. So it's quite the testament to, as Joe said, you know, our grandfather and, and then our father instilling in us what was important and what it means to own a business and run a business. And it's not just a nine to five and, and we're committed and very passionate about the opportunity that we have. Joe and I really see it as an opportunity. And I think our perspective has changed a little bit. We wanted to be a part of this business. We wanted to work with our father. We wanted to carry on this phenomenal legacy. And it came a little sooner than we would have hoped in the setting path last August. We feel that we've really been charged now with a mission of making sure that their work and their commitment and dedication and passion for the business is carried on. It's very important to us. They gave us a great opportunity and now we're just trying to do it as they did it and grow it on our own as well. So, mm. you know, again, I think we have so much shared in common because I own 50% of Wilco, um, my other partner who's not a relative, he was partners with my father. And my dad passed away unexpectedly when I was 28. I was in law school at the time. 
So I had to make a decision, and I wound up finishing law school, passing the bar, and taking the stock as opposed to the payout. And I'm extraordinarily happy I did. It's something we'd planned on. But I mention this because I would guess I'm a little, probably a little older than you guys. You know, I'm 50 now. But the way that you were describing it, Annalise, is is really, really resonates with me. And I would say also, even referencing back to what we were talking about before, here, and I can tell from talking to you guys, that valuing the customer and that relationship with the customer is primary. And I got to see that from a company that started with one van to where we are now and how my father treated and valued every customer. And that never goes out of style. And it leads me to my next question, actually, which is something I really don't have experience with and would love your insights in. So I did an interview a few episodes ago with the owner of Katz's Deli, Jake Dell, which is another family business. And many restaurants, bars, even if they're multiple locations, there's a family business side to it that's very common in our industry. And you guys seem to have a great collaborative energy just in the brief time I'm speaking with you. I would love to get your insights on how do you navigate running a family business when you're doing it with your siblings? I I don't have that challenge, but I do, thank God, have three kids, and I'm trying to imagine these guys getting along with anything. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And business is challenging. So I'd love to know your thoughts on, on that perspective, working with your siblings. How do you guys navigate that? What type of structures, if any, do you use? What do you do to make that dynamic work? That's a good, that's a good one. That's a great, that's a great question. And maybe it's something that comes so naturally. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I do think it's, it's not that I think, I know it's something that comes up often. And I know it's something that's very common in the industry that we're in and that many of our listeners are in. So as I say, I would just love to hear your thoughts on it, just free flow thinking. And even if it's something that's coming to you now, I think it would be of great interest to me and and a lot of people. Sure. I'll start, Eddie. You'll notice I kind of have a, a, a nickname for <laughs> a nickname for Annalise. Mm-hmm. To answer your question, Stephen, we're very close. We've grown very close over the years, and I think we do a great job of understanding each other's each other's strengths and also each other's weaknesses, and, and understanding we're not perfect and we we can't handle everything ourselves. We do a great job of allocating different tasks and different ideas to where they see fit, and handling different things, and really just trusting in each other. And knowing that because of the foundation that we have, that our parents instilled in us, I could throw something over to her and know that it's going to get taken care of and not even have to double check or, or check back on it. And that's something that's very comforting. And we both have different skill sets that tie into the business. Annalise being a great leader and a great communicator handles and coordinates most of the Five Guys account, which is a big undertaking, as well as a lot of the in-house both HR and bookkeeping and, and managing the office and the staff and things like that. And it's nice to have that backstop so that when I'm out on the road, either trying to sell or, or meeting with customers, I'm confident and comfortable that the office is taken care of. We always communicate very well. We, we talk constantly throughout the day, different ideas and stuff like that. So I see it as being very, very lucky, very fortunate. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to work with, with anybody else. It's been a joy so far. I think that's how we're able to do what we do. He summarized it beautifully. And and I thank you for the compliment, Joe. I, I certainly, I mean, we really are. I, there's nobody else I'd rather do it with. It's very simple for me. I mean, we have this common bond. We have this common goal. We're very passionate about it. And the respect we have for one another is, it's insurmountable, quite honestly. I mean, 
unfortunately, we had this reminder of how quickly things can change in, in the passing of our father being so sudden. And I think we just decided that we have to commit ourselves to this and, and figure out what works in taking the old and, and blending it with the new. The communication is, is huge. I know that Joey's relationships with his customers are unlike anything else. I mean, we have such great feedback from the relationships that he's built. And obviously, he continues to be quite successful. So having that, knowing he's out on the road and he knows I'm in-house, I think we just, it's a great partnership. And, and we really feel like we can't imagine doing it with anybody else. And quite honestly, we, we wouldn't want to. We have a great bond that translates to our business and it continues to grow every day. I feel like there's different things that we learn about each other. So it's, it's fluid too. Mm. You know, I'm very interested in the sales process and I'm listening closely to you guys. So I have a question about this. So you guys sell the equipment that you described at the beginning of this interview, but obviously your company offer something that is truly unique. And what makes it unique and value-added is you guys. So my question to you, Joe, and Annalise as well, but this is a sales question, is, and it's twofold. One, within your space, if there are a lot of people who are selling the exact equipment you are, how do you differentiate yourself in that space to people who don't know you? Like me listening to you, if I'm going to install equipment in my restaurant, I would absolutely want to work with your company because I can hear your passion. I can hear how committed you are to the customers. I hear all the value-added benefits that derive from working with you. But let's say I don't know you guys. I know I want to have a piece of equipment in my restaurant. How do you guys compete. What does that marketplace look like? And how do you get that message out? Because you do have something so special here from the way you approach it. And I'm just curious how you differentiate yourself. Or is it a situation where very few people have the electro freeze equipment and then you have the opportunity where there's a limited universe of places where people can buy the actual hardware from? I would say there's a couple ways that we differentiate ourselves from the competition, not well, just the Well, I don't want to cut you off, Joe. I'm just, my, my, and I want to hear that. But my question is, how do you communicate? Like, let me ask the question a different way. Let's say I want to install ice cream equipment in my restaurant. How would I find you guys? Are there other places that sell this equipment? Or is, is this an electro-freeze, a proprietary thing? And if you want to buy it in this region, we would get it from you guys. The reason I'm, I'm dialing in on this is because I face a similar challenge in my business where a lot of times people think, there's a commoditized element to it. But in reality, it's a service business. And what you've described to me with what you guys do is a service business, and it's clear that you're excellent at it. So that, that was kind of where I was going with the question. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Service is, a, is an extremely important part of the business. Us doing the service ourselves really is a value add, if you will. But I would say, you know, other than the customers that we work with and things like that, we're fortunate our, our factory builds a great piece of equipment. The product in a way speaks for itself. We like to get customers to our showroom in front of the equipment or use other customers that we have in the field now as, as a reference. So there may be a situation in Manhattan where a customer wants to serve a certain product. We're able to call upon our customer base and use them either as a reference. And a lot of that is brand recognition, name recognition, or we're able to get people out to the showroom and work with them here on the equipment. But I think for somebody that's getting into the business and somebody that's, that doesn't know where to start or how to begin or, or really what they're looking for, 
I'd welcome the opportunity to give us a call. Let's have a conversation. And it always starts with a conversation. We always like to do things face-to-face if possible. I know with COVID that made things a little more difficult, but to us, we don't just throw a number out over the phone for somebody that's looking for something. We'd like to meet them and, and understand what they're looking for. And I think that maybe sets us apart as we're not quick to just throw numbers out there. We really want to find the right piece of equipment for them and put them in the right position to be successful. Now, let me ask you, what, if any, what trends would you say that you are seeing that are developing within the frozen dessert space? Because as people are coming back and there's articles written all over the place, people are very much desirous to get back out and dine out and they're desirous of that for a multitude of reasons. Socializing is one of them, the unique experience that you can only get when you're dining out. But also one of the big trends, and you guys know this, is people are constantly taking pictures of their food on Instagram and photos and food being Instagram worthy. What trends, if any, are you guys seeing in the frozen dessert space that you think is something that you're seeing as being more prevalent or that you think is coming versus where things were five years ago? If there is such a trend or if there is such a a line of products that you think are really moving more frequently than other types. I mean, milkshakes, and because I I mostly work with five guys when it comes to specific brands, milkshakes have have really hit the market pretty hard in the last five years. It almost, it seems like there's burger and milkshake places popping up all over the place. And acai was big for a while. There was the frozen yogurt craze. And now to your point, I mean, people want things that look beautiful in a photo. And I think we have a a couple different ways that we can we can incorporate that. It kind of depends on what you're looking for. So if it's that you want to use natural products or natural ingredients like a five guys that they use only the best of the best ingredients and it's fresh products and, and stuff like that coming up trends. I don't I don't know. I mean, I could tag you in there. I can help you out, Annalise. Go ahead. ahead. To answer it, Steve, I would say small batch ice cream, small batch gelato and Italian ice. A lot of people, at least what I've, myself and the rest of our team here, we get into conversations of people that want to make their own flavors. They want to make their own concoctions of, and you've seen some crazy things out there, I'm sure, you know, pickle soft serve and, you know, green tea and matcha and all these different things that are out there. We've seen it kind of a resurgence in the, almost like the craft breweries, if you will. So people that want to make their own ice cream, we've moved quite a bit of batch freezers because of that and and even make their own frozen cocktails with our frozen drink machines where you can put just about anything in there. We saw the craze with Frosé and frozen margaritas and things like that. So fortunately, we're able to adapt and, and react to what's prevalent and out there because we do have some great equipment at our disposal. But I would say a big thing lately has been people making their own ice cream or making their own gelato or sorbets or or things like that. That's been pretty popular for us. I think both of those concepts are great. I would say to the audience out there, for people who have restaurants or if you're getting ready to open them, I think whether it's milkshakes or whether it's your own batch ice cream, these are two concepts that I would strongly suggest thinking about. When I think of milkshakes and that whole over-the-top Instagram-worthy photos. I'm thinking of Black Tap in New York City, but anyone can do it. And the great thing about milkshakes is regardless of what type of restaurant you have and whether it goes from a diner to something that's really more white tablecloth, you can always create a milkshake that will be in alignment with your menu's vision. And then 
something that is really on trend, not just in the restaurant space, but just in the entire food space, which is niche brands. Like we have our own brand of food products here at Wilco Holland in York. But if you can bring into your restaurant your own niche ice cream, I think that's phenomenal. And I think that's going to continue to be huge. I, I really think that's that's something very cool. Anytime a restaurant or any business can do something that is truly proprietary or unique, I think it's a winner because, you know, you're the only one that has it at that point. Absolutely. 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 I mean, homemade, made in premise or made on site, made in house. I mean, that stuff that really carries a lot of weight. And I also think what's cool is people are going to be, in my opinion, be in a more of an indulgent mode for the next period of time. From what we've been through, people want to get out and enjoy themselves. And when people are in that frame of mind, I think it always translates well into the dessert space or the dessert side of the menu, because that's where people are more inclined to let themselves relax and enjoy themselves anyway. So I think that that's something that would bode really well. Are you finding, I mean, obviously when you work with Dairy Queen and Five Guys, these are extraordinarily established and national brands. Are you guys finding, you know, and again, we're just in the early stages of coming out of this, but are you guys finding greater activity with people wanting to ramp up or how are you finding the flow of business? Because I'm finding with a lot of our vendors and a lot of people in the space meeting the demand or sort of catching up with, with this demand is a challenge. How are you finding the order flow and just satisfying customer demands as we come out of this? Has that been a challenge? Has that been smooth? What have you seen? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, everybody is very eager to get things up and running. It's all relative, right? Everybody wants to open their business. Everybody wants their equipment. So it's been good for us from a business standpoint. People are, are anxious, it, you know, especially now it's getting warmer. People are outside, people are socializing. And I think we've done a pretty good job of keeping up with the volume. Of course, we don't build the equipment here in New York. It is built at our factory and they too coming back are, are getting a lot of really great opportunities to start new businesses and branch out. So. I think we've done a pretty good job of being able to keep up with the volume. We're excited about the volume, obviously, because it means that we're coming back around. I would just piggyback on that. We saw, you know, what, we, what was impressive for me, at least being out there and, and being in different restaurants and stuff like that is people are hungry. People adapt. They know how to figure it out and, and weather the storm. And especially around, around our area and I'm sure other parts of the country as well. And it's been great to see. I mean, nobody's taking this thing lying down. We've had a lot of stores that were traditionally walk-up windows, like the roadside stand you probably went to as a kid, that they didn't really need to make any changes. And they did pretty well because their customers didn't have to retrain their brains. They just knew they'd walk up to the window, they'd get a soft serve, and away they'd go. And other stores that were able to pivot, especially places I saw in Manhattan where they, they could set up a walk-up window and, and revamp their space or their table layout or anything like that, they were able to be successful. So it it was nice to see just being out there and seeing how different businesses really changed and wanted to stay open and did whatever they could to stay open. And now this time of year, it's even been exciting because people see that, hey, ice cream really pushed through a little better than some other ones. Maybe we should open up an ice cream store or maybe we should add a frozen dessert item to our menu. And we've seen kind of an influx with that. And even more exciting is new people getting into the business, which is something that we're excited about is having those conversations. I've never done this before, but I love ice cream. I always eat it. And now I want to, you know, sell it. Yeah. 
So it's been cool. It's been fun. You know, I agree with everything you're saying, Joe. I think that this whole experience is, um, it really has been incredible and inspiring to see how resilient people have been, especially this industry, because this industry faced a lot of challenges and, and a lot of people, I think the best way for me to put it is inspiring what people did to survive and learn and ultimately thrive. And I couldn't agree with you more. One of the things, and I, I want to underscore this for our listeners, is that I'm speaking to the restaurant concept, but this could also go, although in a different direction, if you're just looking to open a standalone ice cream place. But for a restaurant, the dessert side of the menu is so important because if you can create a meaningful experience with the customers, with what you're offering with the dessert, that's the type of experience that's going to make it much more likely for people to come in. It's been my experience that the one aspect of takeout and delivery that performs the least well is the dessert. But the great thing is if you get people into your restaurant, you have the opportunity to serve them alcoholic beverages. If you do that, you have the opportunity to engage with them in a more meaningful way. So I always encourage people to really think hard, regardless of what type of restaurant you have, of making that dessert experience special so that people stay in your restaurant, they enjoy it, they may order more items. And what you guys are offering, and I think ice cream is right on point as well, and I think there's a whole nostalgia thing going on, and there's going to continue to be a nostalgia thing going on, which is going to play very well into frozen ice cream, which is, I know, just one part of what you do, but I think a very important one, and one that I think has a lot of legs to it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I I would totally agree with that. Well, I have to tell you, this has been a very enjoyable interview for me, and I would just underscore that wherever you are in the journey opening your restaurant or thinking about it or just an entrepreneur, so many great lessons in this conversation on every level. And so, Joe and Annalise, I I really enjoyed this. Now, can you just let us know if somebody wants to reach out to you guys, how would they get in touch with you in terms of the, the internet, your website, or a phone call or anything like that? You can go online. You can uh, Google us, Electrofreeze Tri-State. Our website is electrofreezetristate.com. Uh-huh. And uh, you, can, you can email us at info. The email address is on the website as well. And you can give us a call in the office. We have great office staff that would be more than happy to, to help and put you in touch with the right person that can get your business up and running. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Joe and Annalise, this was great. I really enjoyed this and uh, I wish you guys continued success and I I really got a lot out of this and I appreciate you guys taking the time to speak with me. Likewise. Thank you so much for this opportunity. We really appreciate it and we wish best of luck to everybody, everybody out there as we continue to push through this. Awesome. Thank you guys. Have a great day. Thank you too. Well, that was a really enjoyable interview and I learned a lot on many levels and I I really enjoyed speaking with Joe and Annalise. I want to take a moment now to thank our sponsor for this episode, which is Paracone Farms Juices. They make unbelievable unpasteurized juices. We at Wilco have their orange, their grapefruit, their lemon, and their lime juice, but you can get their juices anywhere. They sell them in retail. They sell them in wholesale. So wherever you are in the country, You can buy their juices. You can check them out at paraconefarms.com. The product is unbelievable. We've been selling it for years, and our customers absolutely love it. 
So I want to thank them for sponsoring the episode. I want to thank all of you for listening. I really appreciate it. I love getting emails and DMs, so please keep them coming. You can email me at steven at wilcofoods.com or you can DM me at wilcofoods. And most importantly, everybody, have an awesome, awesome day. Thank you for listening to The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods. Please be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about Woolco Foods or Stephen Toberoff, please visit us at woolcofoods.net.